HudsonRiverRadio.com. The dot com makes it cool. Chief, mate, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. This is the rock and roll history show. Well, hello, everybody. And welcome back to the Rock and Roll History Show. Our uh, Boy, we were just scraping everything together last minute. So much for a quick switch there. <laughs> hey, it's late August, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. We're, we're pulling it off. So. I'm Brian Horowitz. Uh, we were off last week, but we're back live this week. So. We're always off. Oh, we're definitely... All right. We, we were not here last we've week. We've been off for a very long time. That is true. <laughs> some that is of it, very some true. Some of us longer than others. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, I'm Brian Horowitz. We have uh, most of our crambones here tonight. Allow me, as usual, to go around the table. From the Richter Observatory, is he the Eggman or is he the walrus? We have Neil Richter. You decide. Only Paul McCartney knows for sure. That is true. <laughs> and he ain't sharing. Well. <laughs> From Paranormally Yours, she's starting a new service called One Hour Pool Boy. It's all the convenience of having a pool boy without the hassle of actually having a pool. We have Gail Newcomb with us. The, the pool part is highly overrated. For <laughs> Ask him for a friend. And sitting in with us, he's been unbolting mailboxes just to see what would happen. We have John hey. Kelly joining us. Hey, you know, everybody's got to have a hobby, you that, know? That's right. <laughs> And coming to us uh, from her above-ground, semi-private, not-so-hidden bunker that has a lot of windows in it, uh, she likes to spend the third Wednesday of every month hanging out the side of her best friend's ride. We have <laughs> Becky Weissman with us. I just got a visual on that. That's the scary part. <laughs> uh, so... How's everybody doing this week? <laughs> doing great. You survived it. Yeah. We had, we had a blast of a storm last night here uh, in the Hudson Valley, and uh, we survived. Yeah. Supposedly another one coming tomorrow. That's right here. Wonderful. Yeah, the parts of leftovers of Laura are coming tomorrow, I believe. Okay. Well, hopefully it's just leftovers, nothing too uh, Nothing too serious. I hope not, because I, I I'm hope. not in the mood to lose power again like when we had the other storm. Yeah. Well, the other storm... Here's this for going off the rails. We we lost a couple shingles on the roof. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. It happened. So yep. a friend of ours is a roofer. He came over to look at it, and he's like, all right, yeah, it's an old house, so there's tongue and groove underneath it, mm-hmm. and sometimes the nails don't hit. They hit right. the groove. Yep. All right. So he gets up on the roof, and he's going to just put the shingles back. It, it wasn't the shingles that blew away. It was a piece of the roof that the original <gasps> roofers, when we oh, bought the house, no. the, part the of the roof? wood was rotten, so they just tarred over it and stuck a shingle on it. <laughs> Oh my So goodness. when the shingle blew off, it took a piece of the roof. <laughs> Isn't home ownership so, brand? That's yeah. good. Yeah. Ouch. Is that home so. owner or homeowner? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Neil, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Oh. Well, apparently the roofer didn't. So Yeah, you know. exactly. Well, the roofer hit the nail. It just didn't stick to anything. <laughs> so you just put some, some tar should, underneath somebody it. Somebody should hit the roofer in the head. I think, I think tar is the roofer's duct tape. It just, you know. <laughs> I think you're oh, right. Something's wrong. Put some tar on it. Tar on it will do it every time. Uh-huh. <laughs> like Windex, right? <laughs> or, Absolutely. Or duct tape. Yep. <laughs> yep, or duct tape. Quack. Over the shingle. Hold, hold the shingle down with duct tape. Crazy glue. Probably would have worked as well. So <laughs> Anyway, blue. that's this week's adventure. <laughs> alien, alien tape. <laughs> alien tape. Alien tape. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm sure that works well. Yeah. Yeah. 
crazy. Anyway, so this week I thought we would uh, just go down the rabbit hole because I started working on a couple ideas for, for shows and one thing led to another. You know how it happens. Yeah, you know? I start do. clicking on one thing, you can click to another and click to another and, and here we are. Yeah, and two hours later, we're, you and, and nothing, no yeah. And nothing <laughs> has been accomplished. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm completely derailed. I know everything that's for sale on Craigslist <laughs> within a 50 mile radius. But it was, but it was an enjoyable ride. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it passed two hours like nothing. You just exactly. didn't get to where you wanted to go, but exactly. uh, it's okay. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, it's like a cruise to nowhere that's right this this adventure started if you remember two weeks ago we talked about musicians and composers and their untimely deaths the -hmm. more interesting ones we talked about anton von webern Mm -hmm. the guy that did the 12 tone row um, he's, he was the one who was picked off by bought, World I went War. out and bought all, all his records. You don't have to. You just have to buy 12 notes and just boggle them. Just, just shake them up and just lay them out. That's really all there is to it. No, I, I just went and let my cat walk across the keyboard. I was just keyboard. about to say that. The thing that sounds like my cat's got a hold of a piano. Pretty much. As long as he hits each of the 12 notes in the chromatic scale, then you got yourself a yep. tone row cat. So, yep. But I was thinking tone row, which of course led to tone loke. The rapper. Oh, of course. Which because that's Doesn't somehow how that's how my brain shorts out. Well, that's so. basically a rabbit hole right there. Yep. <laughs> that's where we're going to start. We're going to talk. We're going to start with tone low. Today. I usually go tone deaf, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to guess this isn't up your alley, and it might make you go. <laughs> might make you go a little tall. <laughs> my so. first Bernie's Mountain Dog loved rap. Really? He did. It was very funny when I'd be walking him in the neighborhood. If there were kids hanging out with the the boombox playing rap music, uh-huh. he'd get all goofy and silly, and, and nice. it was hilarious. All right, hey, why not? You know, it was a subwoofer. It was the subwoofer. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. ow, ow, that would hey. hurt. <laughs> no one's topping that tonight. Nobody can top that. No. Neil, you, I'm here all week. Try the deal. <laughs> we have the master. <laughs> The winner and new champion. Hands down. Hands down. I'm not even I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> hey, I even shock myself sometimes. I surprise myself sometimes. All right, it's so let's talk tone loke. Let's talk a little tone loke, right? Let's We're going do. back to the eighties. All right. His real name is Anthony Terrell Smith. He was born uh, nineteen sixty six from Los Angeles. Now, his album looked after dark, if you remember it. I'm sure you do, John, because you probably... I know Becky remembers it. She's a fellow 80s fan. Uh, It was released in January of 1989. The big single off of that was Wild Thing, which hit number two. Yes, right. Uh, Funky Cold Medina followed that. That also hit number two. It's a double platinum album. Back when platinum meant something, they lowered the numbers to reach platinum status nowadays. Mm. Yeah. I think kids nowadays, younger people might recognize him more as uh, Emilio. He was the detective in Ace Ventura, pet detective. Oh, he was the one, yeah. the, the ass-talking scene. Yes. May I ask you a few questions? <laughs> that would be the guy that, that Jim Carrey was talking to. Yep. Um, he's done a bunch of voiceovers, a lot of cartoons, uh, voice work, that kind of thing. So I think the younger generation knows him more for the acting than, yep. the, than yeah. the original exactly. original rapping kind of thing. Um He's had some health problems. He suffers from seizures. He's clapped on stage a number of times. The flashing lights seems to kind of set it off. Yep, so he's always it. wearing wow. sunglasses when he's up on on stage. Um, you know, he's been big on the '90s tours and all that. Back, yep. did, remember there used to be tours. Remember there used to be live music. Live know, music, right? yes. Yeah, it was like about a was it uh, six months? I mean, a thousand years ago. Uh, easily, yeah, it's, easily. It seems like a century ago. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's way too long ago. So, uh, Wild Thing was the first rap song by a black artist to cross over. Yeah, into mainstream pop radio, and then 
Funky Cold Medina came came second. It was actually the Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. Fight for Your Right. That was the first major oh, okay. rap song yeah. to break into into pop radio, mm-hmm. that crossover. Um, so Tone I, wrote, what's that? I like the Beastie Boys. I do too. Yeah. I agree. Do you know what, when they started, they were like a hardcore punk yes. band? Yeah, I mean, really? Like, yeah. They were. I yeah. did not know that. I didn't yeah. know that like, either. Like really, you know, hardcore punk, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, and totally changed directions, and I guess it worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, I don't know how much they. Ju- I mean, there's a lot of overlap. I think you could. Yeah, oh, I you mean, could draw a line. But um, oh, you if if you heard it, you wouldn't you wouldn't know who it was, or you wouldn't say. Okay. Oh, I mean, if you didn't know who it was, you wouldn't right. say. You wouldn't oh, be able to yeah. pick it out. Yeah. I, okay. I, I believe that definitely. Um, so Tone Loke wrote Wild Thing uh, with Marvin Young, aka Young MC, Bust a Move. Remember that one. Another yes. 80s favorite, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Matt Dyke, who helped found uh, Delicious Vinyls, the Delicious Vinyl, the record label that uh, Tone Loke is on. So, if you haven't watched the video, or if you haven't seen it before, if you haven't seen it in a while, it's worth watching it again. Very, very low budget. They wound up using uh, strobe light effects, and they made a lot of it black and white, and they did that to cover up mistakes. If you look at the edges of the frame, mm-hmm. they're using a cheap backdrop, and the backdrop doesn't reach the edges of the frame. Oh, no. Act- oh, you can actually boy. see behind the backdrop yeah. <laughs> along the edges. Wow. So they wound up making it black and white and strobe and kind of blurring things out to try to hide. We'll fix it in the some mix. Of those. That's it. That's funny. That's it. I-, I don't know if they didn't catch it. They just didn't have a choice because of the size of the backdrop that they had. Who knows? But, hey, they made it work. It's a it's a hit song. Um, now, Loke, he-, he chose the name Tone Loke. Loke is actually a crip name. It's actually a gang name. Wow. He's got no affiliation that anybody knows of to anything gang related but okay. you know he kind of did that as a, as a reach out to the community thing mm. and uh, seems to have worked you know mm. hasn't had any problem but Loke the name Loke is, is associated with the Crips um, he wasn't really the bad boy I, I don't think he even tried to portray himself as the bad boy mm. the whole time he was uh, on the charts he was a single father he got custody of his oldest son and he was home taking care of his sick mother so wow. <laughs> he was doing the right thing the whole time. He, he wasn't the bad boy. boy out oh. on the on the road, you know. He was a good boy behind the scenes. Exactly, exactly. That's not the kind of thing that that makes, you know, the headlines and all that. They're looking for the controversy, and there was none. Yeah, he, not, was, not, he was not doing the, the right thing. Not the image yeah. you would think for a, a, a rapper. Right, uh, right. Um, they also used sampling in this song, and that's what we're going to get to next. But first, allow me to play Wild Thing for you to refresh your memory. Oh, please do. Right? All and right. then we're going to come back, yeah. and we'll talk about the sampling that they did for the song. All right? Okay. So let's check it out. Let's do it. On the weekend comes, I go get live with the honey. Rolling down the street, I saw this girl when she was pumping. I winked my eyes, got into the ride, went to a club, was jumping. Introduced myself as low, she said, you're a liar. I said, I got it going on, baby doll, and I'm a fire. Took her to the hotel, she said, you're the king. I said, be my queen, if you know what I mean, and let's do the wild thing. Wow. Wow, fine. Wow, fine. 
mall Looking for some gear to buy I saw this girl, she gonna rock my world And I had to adjust my fly She looked at me and smiled and said You have plans for the night? I said hopefully if things go well I'll be with you tonight So we journeyed to a house One thing led to another I get in the door, I go hit the floor Looked up and it was a mother I didn't know what to say I was hanging by a string She said hey you too, I was once like you And I like to do the wild thing To do the wild thing. Wild thing. Please, baby, baby, please. Posse in effect. Hanging out is always hype. And with me and the crew leaving shindig, I'm with a girl who's just my type. Saw this luscious little frame. I ain't lying, fella, she was fine. This sweet young Miss Cole gave me a kiss and I knew that she was mine. Took her to the limousine and still parked outside. I tipped the show for when it was over and I gave her my own ride. Didn't get her off my jock, she was I like static cling. But that's what happens when body starts slapping from doing the wild thing. Wild thing. Wild thing. She wanted to do the wild thing. This fire chick was on my jock, so I said, what the heck? She wanted to come on stage and do a little dance. So I said, chill for now and maybe later, you'll get your chance. So when the show was finished, I took her around the way. And what do you know, she was good to go without a word to say. We was all alone and she said, Tone, let me tell you one thing. I need $50 to make you holler. I get paid to do the wild thing. Say what? Yo, love, you must be kidding. Yo, Walkie, buddy. Just break out of here. I'm still a beast, baby. I like it. I still like I it. I do too. <laughs> I like it. it. It's got a good beat, but I you can dance I wouldn't to it. dance to it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I can see why. <laughs> to it was, each their own. I can so, see why it was a hit. Yeah. It's just not my thing. I'd be tapping know? the steering wheel while driving along, listening to that. You know. So <laughs> while it was playing, I asked the Crambones to the drum fill, the guitarist. Does anything sound familiar? It does, but I don't know where. Okay, you know. I, I think Becky probably knows where it came from. Maybe. I um, it's I guess I feel like it does sound familiar, but I can't really place it, especially the guitar. All right, the guitars were sampled from Jamie's crying, from really? Van Halen. Huh. The, ah. the drums are actually a drum machine, but they're programmed the same as the original, as the beginning fill from from Jamie's crying, Van right. Halen. 
So they sampled the guitar from that. Right. Of course, they had their legal mumbo-jumbo back and forth. Right. Um, Tone Loke has told the story that he crossed paths with Eddie Van Halen at some point. Eddie had partaken of the beverage, as was frequent and (laughs) style at the time. You're kidding. And was... (laughs) A little nasty to him and say, you took money out of my pocket, that kind of thing, which, wow. you know, um, supposedly there was a $5,000 flat fee mm-hmm. paid to be able to sample the guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It depends on who you who you talk to. Right. Um, it's another example of, it's been my, I've never met Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I know people who have. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of Van Halen, a fan of his guitar playing, he seems to be very, very nice to you. Hmm. If you're a musician, he seems to be very standoffish and nasty with you. Wow. That just seems to be the, the trend. Huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah, years ago, I got to interview um, the guys from the band Autograph, mm-hmm. Turn Up the Radio, that was their big mm-hmm. single. Yeah. Uh, Stephen yeah, Lynch, that. their lead guitar, who is phenomenal. He actually left the band, but he had a phenomenal guitarist. But they opened for Van Halen, who was then opening for somebody else. And, you know, Van Halen, Eddie had people guarding his rack of effects, they called it oh, the egg, so yeah. it was locked, it literally locked with a key, and right. he kept track of who had the key, and you can't see how I get my sound and all this kind of stuff. You know, that's what I usually heard that he used to, like, you know, when, uh, especially in the early days, he'd be playing the smaller, you know, like, mm-hmm. smaller clubs, but, I mean, high profile, but, uh, yeah. and, and uh, you know, other big name, you know, already established guys, you know, like... Uh, you know, the guy from Black Sabbath or, or, or from uh, Deep Purple or whatever were there. He would turn his back so that he, he didn't want them to see and right, right. steal what... And I'm like... Oh, my goodness. Really? I mean, yeah. if, there, if there any guitar player worth their salt... They know. They know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they know his big thing, it. his big hook around that time was tapping when he was playing. He didn't invent it. People have miscredited him with mm-hmm. it. It's been around since the 1500s, 1600s. Right. Guitars were actually tapping back then, and he kind of brought it back to the forefront. Mm-hmm. But uh, Stephen Lynch is just as good, if not better, than Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. and opened a music school <laughs> to teach other people how to play it, you know? Well, so, you know, the, the, there's, the, a, there's a for, bit of a difference For there. every Eddie Van Halen who makes it to the top, mm-hmm. th- there's a million other guys who are, like you say, just as good, if not better, and just didn't get the break. Yep. Exactly. That's right. That's, That's right. really all, you know, it's 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 a lot, you know, not a lot what, but, but who you know, and, yes. and, and you get lucky, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. And again, I've never met Eddie Van Halen. I can't say one way or the other. You know, I'm not trying to badmouth the guy. I'm just relating yeah, no, the stories I'm, that I'm other not, people yeah, no, told me. No, I'm not me, taking you know? anything away from him. It's just like, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Think of just all the studio guys we've talked about that never really get the credit that are yeah the best of the best. You know, same they're the thing. Backbone. They're the backbone, so, really. Yep. So anyway, talk about off the rails. Wild <laughs> thing. Tone Loke was sampled from uh, Jamie's Crying by Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song was written by David Lee Roth from a girl's perspective. Go figure. Uh, who regrets a one night stand? Uh, the song was actually never released as a single. It came off their self-titled album, Van Halen. Uh, and that started as a three-track demo that was financed by Gene Simmons. Wow. So Gene oh. Simmons was actually a fan of, of early Van okay. Halen. Huh. Um, subsequent performances at Whiskey A Go-Go, very that's famous where I was, place. Uh, yeah, that, that's the kind of place I was talking about. Yep. Where, you know, so they wound up playing there, and, yeah. and that ultimately got them a contract with Warner, and then they went back and re-recorded that whole uh, the demo yeah. thing. Again, like so many places that you know they sound like all oh, the legendary. I, I never went in there. I drove mm-hmm. by it and almost missed it. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah. oh, you know. Yeah. The legend is bigger than the physical footprint of the building. Mm. Sure, sure. Um, So their debut uh, single, Van Halen, was a cover of The Kinks, You Really Got Me. That was their Mm -hmm. first major chart single. Well, I've always said that Van Halen was like the greatest Kinks cover band in the world. Mm -hmm. They also did, um, 
Where have all the good times gone? And, yes, yeah, and, yeah. And, and rock that. If, one. if you go back to the late seventies and read in you know Rolling Stone and Billboard and all that, uh, they were panned. The critics hated them. You know, they're a flash in the pan, Zeppelin mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. Give them three years, they're all going to be fat and off the radar and and living on residuals. Uh, they yeah. just they trashed them. You know, hmm. all right, yes, they they sound good now, but it's it's uh, going to be short lived. Right. kind of thing you know it's a hook now but it's no longevity to it and all that well oops <laughs> a little bit off what can i say um I, I think anytime anybody talks about van halen and and music history they always bring up the contract the m&m's contract which i know you've heard that story oh yeah but you that it, it wasn't yeah well it was misattributed yeah right? well, it wasn't they 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 put in the m&m thing but it wasn't mm-hmm. because they were like right m&m snobs right <laughs> they have in every performer's contract there's always riders and you know, the bigger you get, the the more complex your rider can be. How many bottles right. of champagne? Well, these guys were just starting out, so they put in their contract in a rider in the middle of all the legalese that they're to have a big bowl of M and M's with no brown ones. The brown no ones brown had to M&Ms. be removed, right? right? Which right. sounds like they're being prima donnas and and obnoxious. And like um, they're really going to sit and um, eat M and M's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, the reality is that as they were touring, their show grew and. For all their equipment, they used nine tractor trailers to move all their equipment. When the standard wow. back then, a big Holy show cow. back then was three. Nine? Nine tractor trailers. What kind now, of equipment did they have? U2's last tour, they used 50. You 50 guess. tractor trailers, okay. which is ridiculous. But That's insane. Nine tractor well, it, trailers yeah, I mean, was but insane. You're, it, yeah, you're talking about like the whole props. You're talking stage, the stage, you're talking lighting, lighting you're talking everything. all the... Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. everything. Not just amps and drums. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. right. You could throw that in a van. Yeah, that was the least of the problem. Yeah, <laughs> right. But they had all these things in the contract because they had all the technical specs. They needed, you know, right. 20 amp outlets every 20 feet across the front of the stage. The stage weighs this much... Um, oh yeah, you got to know the, the weight. The, uh, yeah, the yeah. weight of the stage, the supports are this many feet apart, and blah 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 and, blah blah. And these things are important. This, they are you know. important. Uh, yeah. And they've ruined many floors when they were on tour because they would go play a college stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd have the nice hardwood floor or yeah. a basketball court, and the stage would just sink right through it oh. and ruin their floor. I actually had a situation at a hotel convention center where I was um, organizing speakers, and there was a speaker. And the stage underneath him was literally collapsing. Mm-hmm. So I managed, and there was about 500 people in the audience. Mm-hmm. So what I managed to do was I managed to plant my foot on a floorboard, mm-hmm. which stabilized the boards underneath the speaker. Oh my god! So I stood there like a statue for like an hour and 15 minutes while the guy was speaking. Because if I moved my foot, he would have fallen through the floor. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so you look like private security. Pretty much, yeah. You look like a bodyguard. I, I, I standing literally there this could, guy. could not move. Wow. <laughs> or else he wouldn't look. Well, there you go. Someone <laughs> didn't read everything. Exactly. But yeah. that's that's the reason they put these M&Ms in. All wanted. these legalese, all these technical specs. Yep. If they got to the venue and walked into their dressing room and saw a bowl of M&Ms with brown ones in it, <laughs> they knew that these people didn't read the contract. Right. That's a yep. pretty ingenious way to... And they way knew to, that they were going to have problems. To test... And in their minds, it also gave them the right to trash the room, which they did a few times. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Not to the extent that legend has it, but they've been known but to flip also, a few I tables. Mean, hey, you know what? In spite of how you know bad, but it also served their legend well. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, oh yeah, it, you know. You know it, and it, even it, David yeah. Lee Roth has said, "Who am I to stop a good story?" You know. <laughs> exactly. Let's yeah. you know let them say whatever they want. Just mention my name. That's you know? it. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was a good reason, and that that's that set the precedent for a lot of future writers and all that. I got to admit, I kind of 
kind of like that. I mean, at first when you said the M&Ms, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. But yep. that is really ingenious to mm-hmm. test yep. whether somebody actually read the contract. Yep. yep. Put mm-hmm. something stupid and simple in there. Just, yep. you know, talk about a good litmus paper kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. Walk in, brown M&Ms, you know you're going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> of course, nowadays, the person handling the M&Ms would just have to go to a bulk candy store and... True, you go to yeah, the M M&M and M store and just psh, pull the handle for it. Yeah. And you know <laughs> That is true. Yes. So all right, so all right. I'm gonna play Jamie's crying. Check out the drum fill in the beginning, the drum intro okay. and listen for the guitars and then we'll compare the two after. All right, between all right. that and wild thing, all right? So Jamie's crying, let's check it out. Not a bad tune, right? 
Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take that over over Tone, Tone Loke, but that's just <laughs> that's just me. I, I can't say I'm surprised. So I, yeah, I, 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 say, I didn't think it would come as a you know major revelation to anyone. <laughs> Why, when I listen to music like that, do I just think suddenly think back to the arcade in the mall back in the '80s? I don't know. It just because <laughs> that's a, when the music was out. Yeah, that was what you were doing the at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. That so, was like 78, 70, 79, maybe. Yep. I was yeah. hitting a place called Aladdin. Yeah, James Crying was 79. Yeah, Tone Loke was. I remember when uh, that place was there. Yeah. Yeah. 10 okay. years later. So let me play the beginning of uh, Tone Loke. I'll play the beginning of James Crying. You can hear the same yeah. drum beat. Let's do it. Right? So yeah. Beginning there of that. It is. Okay. Beginning of James Crying. Yeah, right, right there. Yeah. So it wasn't sampled. It was actually programmed on a drum no. machine, but the guitars were sampled. Okay. The guitars were sampled for, uh, for that. So there you go. Why, right. did, why didn't they just sample the drums? I mean, why? You know. I don't know, but they, they if you listen yeah, to you them, they do, they, would. Yeah. they do actually sound different. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and there's one extra hit on the tom on mm-hmm. Jamie's Crying in the beginning, which they could have cut off in the sample, but, but listen to the difference. Here's Tone Loke. Let's do it. Right, and then yep. the beginning of Jamie's crying. Right, yeah. there's that one extra hit one, in there. One more, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, yep. I, again, if you're sampling, you could cut that out very sure. easily. Even back yeah. then, you could cut that out. So, oh yeah, there you go. All right, we have gone down the rabbit hole, the first step of the rabbit hole. All right, but we're going deeper. What I want to know is where is this rabbit hole going to end up? It's going to end up with us saying goodnight and leaving at some point, <laughs> but we don't know when that is. So we're going to take a quick break, and then okay. we're going to regroup. We're going and... to come out the other side of the earth. All right. I hope not. Jeez. <laughs> That's a long walk back. Oh I know, God. right? Yeah, stick around. There's more coming up here on the Rock and Roll History Show. If radio DJs have taught me anything about radio, it's that you got to do two things. Turn it up and rip the knob off. HudsonRiverRadio.com Hey everybody, looking for something to do in the afternoon? Then join me, Neil Richter, in the Richter Observatory. High atop the majestic Palisades, overlooking the mighty Hudson River in beautiful Stony Point. Every weekday from 3 until 6 p.m. We'll get you through the afternoon at work and rock you on your ride home. That's the Richter Observatory with me, Neil Richter, right here on HudsonRiverRadio.com. This concludes the first part of this cassette. Please turn the cassette over and begin again on side two. Did you know that there have been over 30,000 reported cases of UFOs in the Hudson Valley? What happens to people when they have very close encounters and missing time? I'm Linda Zimmerman. I'm Michael Warden. Join us for UFO Headquarters. We'll dig into some of the most intense and unnerving UFO sightings that happened right here in our backyard. And we invite you to call in and join us on Facebook Live to share your experiences. UFO Headquarters, on the second Monday of every month, right here on HudsonRiverRadio.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in our app or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. HudsonRiverRadio.com Bing, 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 bing. And welcome back to the Rock and Roll History Show on HudsonRiverRadio.com. I'm Brian, and we have Neil and Gail and John and Becky with us today. Yeah, I, I, I bet you wouldn't know this, but hey, hey. Uh, I, I used to be a wild thing myself. <laughs> Are you not now? Well, you know, some things never, you know, never change. But, <laughs> you, you may have. You know. <laughs> but you know, but you know something. When I hear the wild thing, I, I think of a whole other th- song. 
yeah. would be the trucks. Of course, of course. So of course, I do. We're gonna make a left turn down this that's, rabbit hole because okay. it's a very fancy rabbit that's hole. That's a yes. memory from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Is the trucks? That's a memory from before I was born. So. <laughs> shut up! <laughs> Ow! Just shut I up! Know. So, yes, let's talk about the Trogs, right? All right. Let's talk about the Trogs. Um, the song itself was written by a guy named Chip Taylor. Okay. His real name is James Voigt. His brother would be John Voigt. Yep. He oh, would be okay. the uncle of one Angelina Jolie. Yep. yep. Nobody knows why he went by Chip Taylor. There's really no good explanation. <laughs> that seems but to be an odd... Talk about a rabbit hole. It's just, right. I think that's yeah. as American neutral a name yeah. that you could come up with. You know? Chip Taylor. Chip I mean, Taylor. That's yeah. That's then, it. Then again, that does have a kind of a Main Street USA kind of like really 1950s Chip. Taylor. As long as you can cash the check, who cares, yeah, right? Exactly. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, the Trogs did not do the first version of it. It was first recorded by an American band called the Wild Ones. Yep. Huh. They released it as a single and it flopped. It didn't go anywhere, and it didn't. I, th- sound I think like... Chip Taylor recorded a version of it. Well, he did. Maybe a, a I demo. think he just did demo. I don't uh, think they I, released I think it. I've as heard a it. I I remember hearing a long time ago, mm-hmm. but it really? was, and it sounds mm-hmm. nothing like right. Uh, right. Yeah, the, the trogs. trogs. It sounds nothing like Tone Loke either, but mm. uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the trogs actually made it, saying. gave it that raw kind of sound yeah. on purpose. That was the the sound that they were going for. Yeah. Um, so the band was signed by a guy named Larry Page. He happened to be the manager of the Kinks. Also, uh, this was 1965. They first formed as a garage band in 1964, the year before. Um, singer Reg Presley. He was born Reginald Ball. Somebody gave him the name Presley, and he just went with it. It worked. I can't imagine it worked, why. It worked once. Why not yeah, try it again? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except that they were in the UK. Why not? Right. The UK Presley. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Bond was on drums. Pete Stables on bass. Chris Britton on guitar. Now, the thing about uh, Wild Thing, in the middle, you hear that, that woodwind, kind of fluty, mm-hmm. yeah. kind of solo sound. Sure. That is an unusual instrument that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. It's called an ocarina or ocarina, depending oh, okay. on how you yeah, want to pronounce ocarina. it. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yep. What so we have our own resident woodwind expert on retainer on Skype right now. So I'm going to let her <laughs> try to describe this thing. Becky, do tell. Because she can do better than I can. Do tell, Becky. So the ocarina is a small wind instrument. It plays two octaves and a third. It dates back 12,000 years. Wow. It's most famously known for um, its use in Chinese art and dance. But here is the real kicker. It has recently been made famous because it was prominently um, featured in Nintendo 64 games. Yep. The Legend of Zelda, Mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time, and The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. And so now tons of kids are playing Ocarina because of Nintendo 64. (laughs) Whoa! There you go. (laughs) And it fits right in your pocket because it's little. (laughs) It's ceramic, so you don't want to sit down hard. Uh, (laughs) Well, the the original ones are are ceramic or clay, but, you know, after Nintendo, now they're making them in plastic and Mm -hmm. all kinds of different materials. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Thank you. Yep. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Neil, you're familiar with the recording session when they actually did this song, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we, we were, were talking chatting. about it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, go ahead and because uh, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting, and it, it just adds more in my mind to how cool the song I, really I, is. I agree, and and it's actually a story that played out with a number of groups. But um, again, the guy that signed them, Larry Page, had booked 
um, an orchestra in London's Regent Sound Studio. And the deal was that the Trogs could have whatever time is left over when the orchestra was done. Nice. So the orchestra finished up early. They had 45 minutes to Ooh. lug in all their equipment, play set two songs, bang set it up, the, bang out two songs, the and get their crap and, out of there. And the B-side of the single. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. So they did Wild Thing, and I forgot what the B-side is. It just left my mind. They did a... a, a a B-side to that, and I can't think of what it I is. I don't remember. I, I, and if yeah. I saw it, I'd say, oh, right, but I'm having... Yeah, exactly. I can't think of it. I'm having yep. a senior moment. Yeah. <laughs> I think I caught your it, senior it, moment. It was from, all, it's got... <laughs> from playing the ocarina at an early age. There you go. You get winded, you know? Yeah. That's the oh! Very close. Almost. I, I, I'm, very, very I'm not going to be that was, tonight. No. It, 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 good that tonight. That was... i got to admit, that was... That was good. That thank was you. Not thank as you. good thank as you. Neil's. But thank that you. Was thank good. you. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm just mad at myself. I didn't think of it. So yeah, that, which is a, you know, saying something. Yeah. Oh, there were two different B sides, one for the U.S. and one for the U.K. Um, if I remember correctly, the, it was actually released by two different record companies. Okay. That's a whole other story. That happened. Yeah, yeah I mean that's not saying, so. Yeah. This is saying in the U.K. the B side was called "From Home." And oh no, wait a minute. Yeah, and in the U.S. it was called "With a Girl Like You." Oh, okay. Well, okay. that was yeah. yeah. Which you know was in those days. I think that might have become had become a hit too. So there was like you know both sides of a there was of a forty-five could become a hit. I mean, the Beatles right. did it all the time. Right, yeah. right, right. And until they realized, wait a minute, we're we're wasting a song. You know. We, yeah, you know. yeah. There, there was. I, I don't remember the whole story. There were two different record companies, two different. People were promoting it in the U.S. Um, it was del- it was a delayed release in the U.S. It was mm-hmm. released in the U.K. and it didn't right. get released in the United States until 1968. Um, but there were two different people promoting it, and they signed two different deals at the same time with two different record companies. <laughs> so they both both wound up putting it out. Mm-hmm. So you know, Billboard, Cashbox, they combined the stats together because it's okay. it's the same recording right. On, right. on the records. So that's what they go by is the actual original recording. Um, so they put them together when they were doing the stats on that. So I, I, that would explain the two different B sides on that. So. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know which one recorded at that uh, session, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I would think it was probably the first one you said. I think a girl like you was probably recorded uh, subsequently. Um, just yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, don't know I, I could be yeah. you know making that up too, but that would be my assumption. Just right, right. Now, if you want to dig a little bit deeper into the Trogs. There, uh, there's something out there called the Trogs tapes. Now, this okay. includes uh, comments by Reg, the singer. It's somebody. If you remember, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. we always we said that the sound engineer's number one rule is to always have something recording somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Because so mm-hmm. you don't miss anything. Well, somebody had something recording somewhere, and they <laughs> they caught an argument between Reg and the rest of the band with a lot of cursing and yelling and screaming <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's entertaining. So, of yeah. course, that was yeah. subsequently released on a, on a couple of different compilation <laughs> albums. So you can actually go and listen to the band arguing with each other and what it really sounds which, like. Which, which is so rare. <laughs> exactly, right? I know, never that, happens. Ne- that never happens in music, which, which right? Which never happens. <laughs> right. So what's odd is that tape, even back then, was expensive. So yeah. if you, even if you had something running the whole time, if it wasn't useful, you would erase it. Right, and reuse right. The tape. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, this was saved. <laughs> yeah. Obviously with good judgment. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that we can't play here right now, you know, but it's worth going back. But... That tape was the inspiration for a scene in the movie Spinal Tap. 
okay. where the band starts fighting with each other. Yeah. That's where they got the ideas from mm-hmm. listening to these oh. tapes. And if you haven't seen Spinal Tap and you're a rock fan or a rock history I've fan, seen it, you, you got to watch it. So oh. They did their homework when they were putting that movie together. I'll have to watch it again. As much as it was improvised, they, they really hit the nail on the head. <laughs> oh, but yeah, there, there are so many, like, yeah, like. The little nuances that are yeah. in there. Yeah, so many parodies of real bands, mm-hmm. you know. That, uh, oh, going to the, checking in at the hotel and, and stuff in the studio and going from a 20,000-seat arena to a 1,500-seat yeah. <laughs> theater. Well, our audience is now more selective. <laughs> that was their answer. <laughs> and, and then ending up in an airport hangar at, at, a, at an Air Force base. <laughs> With the wireless that, that picks up the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's they really they did hit the nail on the head with that. I have to admit. So let's check out uh, right. the Trogs version of Wild Thing, and, right. and we'll keep going down the rabbit hole. The rabbit. Man, the rabbit. I cannot talk. Yes, down the rabbit hole. You right. wascally rabbit. I'm going to hit play and stop talking now. So Ready let's check teeth. it out. All right. <laughs> Wild Thing. You thing I think I love you but I wanna know for sure so come on hold me tight I love you That could have been one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Oh, agreed. And you know what? It's a great song to learn how to play pretty much any instrument on because it's your yep. three chord structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just mean, you know, you know for for you know, pound for pound, 
next to Jumpin' Jack Flash. That's probably the greatest rock and roll song ever recorded. Right. I would say it's up there. Def. So, so in other words, you're saying you like the Trogs Wild Thing better than Tone Loke's Wild Thing? Uh, yeah, a, a little, little, just a little just bit, just a lot of it, slightly. Right. <laughs> just kind of like totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, a little more. <laughs> I, I they mean, both yeah. have their places, you know. It really depends. <laughs> it's also, you know, where you came from too. True. You know, say I was, you know. I was the agent. You were listening to Tone Loke when when right. the Trogs came right. out. Okay, so yep. Let's, let's yep. I was working backwards. So, some sort of perspective. Of there I agree. That, uh, yeah, so, I, I had my little transistor radio taped to the handlebars of my little bicycle and <laughs> delivering papers. Yeah, because I was and like, that would come on. I was you know? like five or six when that was popular. Yep. Yep. I I mean I did the transistor radio. It was actually. Uh, usually a Walkman or mm-hmm. a knockoff, mm-hmm. different brand of a Walkman. I didn't have tape a Walkman player and all. back then. Yeah, you had the FM tuner that you could never hold on to a station because it would drift yet. all over. Right. Mm. So but I used to actually wear down a Walkman. I would go through every six months, like really? the motors, would just because I would use it all the time. Wow. I would just use it all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I would make mixtapes and take them with me, all that kind of thing, definitely. So... All right, so we were talking about the ocarina that Becky explained to us. Yes. All right, so then the, for some odd reason, it went back into obscurity and did not appear again on another hit song until the 80s. Mm-hmm. 1985, to be uh, specific, R-O-C-K in the USA by John Mellencamp. That's right. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, mm. Right? That's right. Uh, it's off the album that. Scarecrow. Now, um, I wonder if he, uh, maybe you, you can answer this, mm-hmm. that, that he like used it because of that, yeah. Because of that, the the song was written as oh it, the subtitle for the song is "A Salute to Sixties Rock." Okay, oh, okay. so that's exactly yeah. what he wrote the song. About. I mean, the only different. I mean, ROCK in the USA. I mean, the Trogs were from the UK, but, right? You know, yep. Just um, so he, he Mellencamp actually had his band learn somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred different uh, rock songs from the sixties, just so they got used to the vibe and yeah. and. Hmm. You know how things yeah. were structured, and to of just course. get used to playing that style before I, they started. If I were him, I would have kept playing those songs. But yeah, he does. If you see him live, he does. So it, it's it's worth well, seeing him live. We saw him really live, but it was we saw him at Farm Aid, which yeah. was what two years ago now. And but it's a little, it's a different. Uh, it is. Yeah. But he played it. There's only like one song oh, yeah, I like from him, and that's Paper and Fire. Okay. Well, there's a ton of good songs. So <laughs> and you don't like the harmonica either. So well, yeah, he did cover um, uh, Let It All Hang Out. That was a '60s song, yep. a very obscure one, but. Mm-hmm. By, uh, the hombres. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's got a lot of. Good, he's one of my favorites. So he's he's got a lot of. Well, that's good why stuff, I knew you know? would. I knew that. I knew you would know. Yeah, that yep. song that yep. I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, so the song was specifically modeled after '60s rock. Hmm. Um, the riff itself, the guitar, mm-hmm. uh, the you know the the chords were lifted from Cherry Cherry uh, by yep. Neil Diamond. So that's why they sound or very familiar. A little familiar. bit me, a little bit you, mm-hmm. which Neil Diamond wrote Again, for it's, the Monkees. It's yep. three chords. You know, yeah. they're all going to ultimately overlap a little bit and sound similar. Well, at that point, it was okay to, to like, plagiarize yourself, I guess. It wasn't yeah. until a few years later <laughs> right. that it right. was a thing. But, yep. but yeah, it, Neil, Neil Diamond wrote them both, so it's That is not? true. Um, and in keeping with the 60s style, Mellencamp kept R.O.C.K. in the USA under three minutes. It's around 2.54, Yeah, because that's what they had to do back then if they wanted to get any airplay. It had to fit on the one side of a 45, yeah. and it had to be under three minutes, or else radio stations wouldn't play it wouldn't back play then. It. Right? If you can't say something in you know under three minutes, it's not worth saying at all. I would agree. 
I would agree. Once you hit the six-minute songs, there are very few that are tolerable and worth the time. Well, Harry Chapin had a few good ones that were over three. Yeah, a couple. Well, there's a yeah. whole load of them, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just generalizing. There are a lot. I'm talking about what's worth yeah. the six minutes. Okay. So, yep. I got it. That's six minutes that a, you're not on YouTube watching something else yeah. nowadays. A know? bustle in your hedgerow. Don't be alarmed now. Yeah. <laughs> the first Sounds like a personal problem. Yeah. Actually, I just rewatched the Kennedy Center's the honors where uh, 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 Hart. Hart. where Hart did uh, yeah, yeah, Stairway yeah. to Heaven. And they were in the audience. With Robert Plant and John Paul Jones and, and Jimmy Page sitting up in the audience yeah. watching it. And that, that was phenomenal. Oh, I and bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Choir. yeah, that's worth yeah. checking out. That's is, on YouTube. How long is Layla? How many? Depends on which version. You got your three minute and you got your 12 minute. <laughs> and then you got the acoustic version. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, I actually, one is enough. I, li- I like the... The long one, and I like the acoustic one both. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would agree. I, I do like the acoustic one. I like that. That was. And normally, uh, I'm not into like very much acoustic. But, yeah, that was the, uh, the MTV Unplugged time, that's which all, I, I was great. I loved that show. That, that's I used all to watch bluesy, that all the time. Well, anything it, bluesy. That that mm-hmm. song is like two parts anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the, the end, the outro, which they heard some guy playing as they walked by the. You know, he was in another studio, and they mm-hmm. walked by and said. Hey, you want to come put that on our song? Oh, really? Nice. Something to that effect. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You never know, right? So there it was. So, all right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so works. back to ROCK in the USA. All right. Of course, we're playing this now because it's got the Ocarina solo in the middle, which was specifically, like you said, Neil, hey, a nod to Wild Thing by the, by the Trogs, right? So here we go, 1985, ROCK in the USA. Rider. They were rocking Jackie Wilson, Shangri-La's young rascal They 
highly recommend seeing Mellencamp live if oh, the day ever comes back around again. So he's one of the ones I don't miss when he comes around to the area. Definitely worth going to see. Yeah, I so, agree. Yep, yep. I love that song. So there you go, another ocarina. And you probably won't hear an ocarina unless you play <laughs> Nintendo for <That's> right. <laughs> another 10 years. That's right. <laughs> Give or take. Unless, <laughs> Becky, if you want to get one and play our, our new theme for us at the start of every show. I think we might just have to do that. <laughs> I am I am totally up for that. A custom theme, an ocarina theme. Who that else has got awesome. that? Nobody. Yeah. That would, we would be, be awesome. the only one. Yes. That would be awesome. All right. Well, well you yeah, have you homework to do in the bunker now. <laughs> you have to use the ocarina. Like 60s rock or more oh, yeah. like Nintendo? Oh, I would go with the 60s rock. Oh, definitely say, 60s yeah, rock. Yeah, given what we do here, yep. Yeah. You have to use it sparingly, though. You can't use an ocarina in every song, though. It would just lose its, you know, uniqueness. Have you ever heard of anybody complaining of too much ocarina? You can never have too much <laughs> Have <ocarina>. you ever? <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, yeah. if it wasn't, if it was It's like hot fudge. Have you heard anybody say that's too much? No. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, you stop talking. What? You don't like the harmonica either. <laughs> Oh my god, off the rails we are. We never got on. Well, the ocarina was just the harmonica of the, you know, whatever, 16th century or whatever, 16,000 years ago. Yeah, many, many moons ago. I prefer hot butterscotch. All right, I will Mm. will admit that that's comparable. (laughs) And even too much of that is... A reasonable substitution. So, I don't don't agree that you can have too much of it. (laughs) Yourself. (laughs) I've never tried, so... yeah. I can't. I'm not that flexible. So. Too much is never enough. Yep. All right. We are going to take another break and reset. Right. Oh, we definitely have to get back oh, on track, you. right? We're going to try to dig out of the hole before I, we fall. Oh back no, in. we're going to go a little bit deeper little into deeper. the rabbit hole, all right, all and right. then we're going to start walking out of it. All right. Okay. So Neat. stick around. There is a lot more coming up here on the Rock and Roll History Show. Streaming live from Stony Point. This is HudsonRiverRadio.com, your local Rockland County station. Play something. Some, somebody play something. Hi, this is Big Jim Wheeler. You know, I grew up on a farm as a kid, and, well, back in those days, we didn't have much TV to watch. So as a family, we'd sit around the radio, and we'd listen to those old shows. Well, I've become a huge fan of those classic radio shows, and I'm thrilled to share my personal collection of original broadcast recordings with you. Well, we got old Western superheroes, classic stories, oh, we got them all. Check out Hudson River Radio's Classic Radio Theater on Sundays at 9 a.m. and again at 9 p.m. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show. This is Big Jim Wheeler signing off and hoping you enjoy the show. Hi, this is Mercedes Kent. Join me for The Silver Screen with Mercedes Kent, a weekly call-in talk show about films, celebrities, and all things entertainment. Big Jim and I will catch you up on the current top ten in the movie theaters, interview some people in the biz, and fill you in on what is hot. So come have fun with us every Thursday at 6 p.m. right here on HudsonRiverRadio.com. Entertainment ensues. HudsonRiverRadio.com. Once the mics are hot, you can't stop. And welcome back to the Rock and Roll History Show on HudsonRiverRadio.com. I'm Brian Horowitz, and uh, we have Neil and Gail and John and Becky joining us for today's train wreck. Where we're going. You know the great thing about the ocarina? You only have to play two notes. That's all you need. Just two notes. I agree. You only need one if you're going to play a solo in Ramon songs or, or you know, ROCK in the USA. That's what I'm saying. Anybody can learn, is what I'm saying. This is like, it should be a universal... 
when I was a kid, they gave us these big the recorder. Pla- this well, it was like they call it the flutophone. And it was this okay. big plastic thing. Yeah, and it was recorder. like the, it was, it's a recorder, right? Isn't that the yeah, same? Yeah, but yeah, but, yep. But they called it flutophone, I guess, to make it more you know. I don't know. Fun. That's probably it, a brand make name. Make it more interesting. Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> maybe to reduce the it, chance it, of you hitting somebody over the head with it, because that's the way it's shaped. It, it was. It was almost responsible for me like hating music for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet those things sound nasty. It was the most shrill when sound in the when world. When they're played yeah. right. They, they sound okay. No, you know? when they're played mm-hmm. right, it's still wrong. Uh, oh. You know, I, I think, well, Becky, I don't know if you would agree, but if you actually get a good recorder, you, you know, it's like if you right. invest in a good instrument. It's a recorder? Sound, oh, yeah. No, th- th- this was but, not. No, we got the $5, you know, spit no, it out on the factory. Like, yeah, uh, with a class of school kids playing. Exactly. Right you know, and you hope it got washed before it got to you kind of yeah. thing. And it probably didn't. Not back then. I don't think it did. Not back I, then. You know, we all, Today, we all had yeah. our own. We, you know, we, oh, you took it home, but then you yeah. gave it back at the end of the year, right? Oh, or end of whatever you were I, I doing. Probably that. broke it over my knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't play. It only got three finger holes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. All right. So all right. we are so far down the rabbit hole. Thank all right. We're going to make a right turn now. So Chip Taylor, a.k.a. James Voigt, wrote, the Trogs version of Wild Thing. Yeah. All right. He had another big hit, and these were the two big hits that he he's living off of. Um, the other one is Just Call Me Angel, first okay. done by Marilee Rush back in 1968. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like this song. My I mo- do my too. My mother loved that song. Yeah. I, I think it's a great song. Uh, Marilee was born in Seattle. She, uh, she was born back in 1944. She's still around. She, she was playing. Of course, everybody's on a little bit of a hiatus right now. Yeah. Um, she... Paid her dues in the local clubs and all that. She wound up as the opening act for Paul Revere and the Raiders. Awesome. And that's how she wound up crossing paths with Chip Taylor. And uh, she actually went in to hear the demo version that Chip Taylor was recording, and it was terrible, (laughs) which goes with the story you were saying about the Wild Thing demo that he was recording, which sounded terrible. So I'm guessing Chip Taylor's not much of a singer. Sounded like Neither am I. Sounds like his talent was writing. Was writing, yeah. At least two songs. And hey, that's all you need, right? Two songs more than I ever wrote. Yeah. So she uh, recorded this at American Studios, which is in Memphis, right down the road from Sun Studios. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance. I don't even know if it's still there. I don't think it is. Um, It was known for being a dump of a building. (laughs) Okay. Everybody that went in, the music that came out of it did not match the appearance of when you walked Mm -hmm. into it. Gotcha. (laughs) It seems to be a a, a trend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but this was known for just, you know, Elvis recorded there after Mm -hmm. Sun and would walk in. And, you know, the first time he went in, he's like, holy cow. Mm Hmm. You know, everybody looked around, but the the house musicians were phenomenal. The stuff that came out of there was just uh, incredible. Um, Dusty Springfield did "Son of a Preacher Man" there, and all a lot of lot of big hits came out of there. So the quality was great, even though the appearance uh, maybe not so much. So um, Juice Newton did a cover of this in 1981 that probably became I don't know if that became a bigger hit, but it was also a hit. So uh, yeah, I, that might be yeah, the I one. I remember that, that came remember. out, and I said like, oh, you know, really? Hers? Well. That, my opinion. Yeah, Merrily Rush is the original. There's there's two versions out there. The big one that became a hit has a lot of overdubbing, and she overdubbed her voice, and they put a lot of delay on it. And I think it's a little oversaturated. Um, if you listen to the stripped down version, um, I think it's a little bit more rock and roll, even though it's a slow song. Mm-hmm. And I think Juice Newton's version is more like that, a little bit more stripped down. 
Um, but yeah. I'm going to play the original that the one that that charted that's got well, all that, the that would be the one that. that I you know yeah, on yeah. I, I like the song I think uh-huh. it's a great song but, it is. Uh, yep Angel uh, just call me Angel by Baron Lee Rush in 1968 all right there'll be no strings to bind your hands not in my love You know, mm-hmm. I like it. Very it a, voice, yeah. It has a nice dreamy quality to Precursor it. Precursor you know? to, to Ann Wilson, you know, yep. Hart, to just being mm, able yeah. to belt out. Yeah. yeah. And and she's, uh, Marilee Rush has talked in, in a number of interviews. You know, she paid her dues right. with various rock bands, and she was just ripping her throat to shreds, and she started taking voice lessons after she had kind of already established herself. And that's when she really learned how to belt it out and stay mm-hmm. on tune and, you know, be able to do it night after night after night. Yeah. So, sure. You know, as we've said before, take your music lessons. 
Be a good boy. Be a good girl. Take your music lessons like <laughs> you're supposed to. It comes well, well, back around. Singing is a whole thing. If you know, it's it's not like you can go get you know you can always you break a guitar string or break a drumstick. You ought to buy another one or mm-hmm. break a guitar pick. You 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 know you you break a vocal cord. You can't do anything with it. You're really. Stuck. Yeah. I mean, there's surgery, but you're never gonna you know. Never gonna be the same. Julie no. yeah. Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, take care of what you got. Right. Yeah, that's, Absolutely. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to wrap up tonight by making a super hard left. Oh, <laughs> as uh, we always do. We mentioned off the air the yep. Trogs. The band name was originally Neil Troglodytes. Troglodytes, yeah. The Trogs were yeah. shortened from Troglodytes. Troglodytes were cavemen. Yes, cavemen, I yes. believe it's kind of an outdated term at this point. Yes, ancient people who lived in caves. Um, <laughs> Gail mentioned song the name. Song is Troglodytes, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, remember who it was by? Not offhand. The Jimmy Castor Bunch. <laughs> the okay. Jimmy Castor, which, yeah, oh yeah. Oh. No tengo la minoridad. Hey, Bubba, we got there. Yep. <laughs> so, Jimmy. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Uh, he became, Jimmy Castor became known as the Everything Man. He's from New York City. He was born in 1940. He died back in uh, 2012. Uh, he was a singer, songwriter, percussionist, saxophonist. Very smart guy. He attended uh, City College of New York. He he went to high school, one of the special performing arts high schools right. in New York City yep. and all that. So this guy knew what he was doing. Um, he was one of the original members of the Teenagers, the, the vocal group, the doo-wop group that backed up Frankie mm-hmm. Lyman. Hmm. So, uh, again, knew what he was doing. So he was he was legit. Now, his biggest single was Troglodyte. Parentheses, <laughs> caveman, right. in 1972. <laughs> in case nobody in case knew. Nobody knew. Well, who knows what a troglodyte is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that so, came out. So, sounds like a candy bar. Yeah, <laughs> it could pass like that. Sounds like a, a virus, or a, a candy bar. It sounds uh, like a mineral. Mm-hmm. It does sound like a candy bar. I got to. I got to agree with Neil on this. <laughs> to me, it sounds like a fossil, like a big bug fossil. That, that's the first <laughs> like thing. Like a velociraptor fossil. Or you know, we were yeah. digging in. We found a troglodyte kind yeah. of thing. You know. <laughs> Uh, hey, who knows? <laughs> I just got a visual on that. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like chocodiles. That's what I'm thinking. They were like a, oh, a yeah. like a yodel's ripoff. Okay. Yeah, with, with peanut butter, I think. Yeah. Ew. Or oh, we can yeah. meld them. Yeah. We can we can connect the two and call it a fossilized candy bar. Mm-hmm. By now they are. Yeah. <laughs> They've yeah. been around that long. Yeah, definitely. Um, so sticks to your ribs <laughs> <laughs> or something. Troglodyte came out in 1972. It's been sampled a ton of times by uh, hip hop artists. Yep. Very really? popular loop and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it's oh. been used many, many times. It's, it's a groove that repeats. You know that R&B, the funk sound. So yeah. it's a groove that repeats. And uh, Jimmy tells a story over it. A politically yep. incorrect story yep. about cavemen finding a woman and yep. dragging by the hair. And then he says in there, you can't do that anymore. And he actually <laughs> says it in the song. So it's pretty... He acknowledges in the song, even back then, that this was yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but he introduces a character in the song named Bertha Butt, yep. who is one of the Butt sisters. <laughs> and the Butt sisters make appearances in many of his songs okay. thereafter. Okay. My first exposure to... The Jimmy Castor Bunch was at my college radio station. Somebody came across a 45 of a song called The Bertha Butt Boogie by the Jimmy <laughs> Castor Bunch All in right. 1975. So, oh, which was great. That that's sounds classic. awesome. No it is ifs, the, ands, or buts. There oh. were three butt sisters, actually, three butts on this one. So, 
<laughs> he actually introduces them all if you listen to the lyrics. Yeah. Bicycle this was built my, for three. Yeah, this was my <laughs> first exposure. And that 45 was probably the most valuable thing in our possession. So, um, yep, so the Birth of Butt Boogie was a follow-up hit. It came out in 1975, and it was kind of the offshoot of the 1972 Troglodyte. So, all right. Check out the, check out the. You're gonna. This is gonna be stuck in your head for the weekend. You're gonna be on YouTube playing this over and over again. Trust me. Oh, I'm sure. I oh yeah. I haven't heard this in decades. Yeah. Well, I didn't know anybody but me knew about that song. Uh huh. So you're gonna want to put your seatbelt on for this one. So <laughs> it's the Birth of Butt Boogie by the Jimmy Caster Bunch. When Bertha got off of her stump The whistles were blowing And everybody did the bump But all the time Bertha had been working on a goodie Now folks call it The Bertha Butt Boogie When Bertha Question. When Bertha got moving, her hips were humming in the wind. The ground started shaking, and no grass grew where she'd been. The music was popping, the crowd had formed a ring. Her sisters yelled, Boogie Bertha, do your thing! Uh, for your information, Bertha had three sisters, Betty Butt, Bella Butt, and Bathsheba Butt. When Bertha Butt did a goodie, she started the Bertha Butt. I said no question. And 
that, my friends, is oh. your earworm oh. for the weekend. They, they actually <laughs> wasted vinyl on that? Are you kidding? Oh. That's that was fantastic. Hilarious. Oh. Classic. That's hilarious. It's that, so 70s. If I heard any more, I was going to fall off the wagon. I was going to run out there and... <laughs> you better... If you put your phone down, that's going to be your ringtone. The next time you pick it up, you better be careful. <laughs> No, if you played it on Ocarina, it would have a whole different meaning. <laughs> That's true. It's got the same two notes. I wonder if we can pull that off by next week. I'm telling you, hmm. the Ocarina rules. <laughs> Everything sounds better when it's played on an we need Ocarina. A, we I would need agree. To well, it doesn't sound any worse. We need to start an <laughs> Ocarina band. <laughs> the Hudson River Radio.com Ocarina Band. We had been talking about a group because uh, to prep for the Halloween parade. Right. The act that we do every yeah. year, unfortunately, it's been canceled this year, so things yeah. kind of flop. But oh, did it actually? I mean, is it's, it, uh, it's been officially canceled, unfortunately. Uh, they are talking because, about doing something online. It doesn't surprise uh, me, but I knew it was yeah, still yeah, a uh, Because you, a lot couldn't, of fun. you couldn't prevent, like, crowds and there's no way yeah no it, that's the part that, yeah. distance yeah being yeah. in the parade being a marcher you couldn't be any safer yeah, right. yeah. Right. you're far away yeah the, it's, the it's so much fun it's such yeah. a good group you know yeah, so but, we were yeah, actually yeah it, it was, was good yeah, the crowds i, I was kind of like oh, really yeah. yeah 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 but we do have a, a, a number of in-house musicians especially the ocarina player there on skype right. <laughs> she doesn't know it yet she does now the, <laughs> the electric ocarina <laughs> I'm if telling you ran you, it through a fuzz box, that would sound awesome. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> With a wah wah pedal? Yeah. That would be awesome. All right, I'm, I'm taking off next Friday because we're going to be. Uh, <laughs> I've officially just lost my mind. You know, that, that song just did it. Oh, we're, we're all right there with you. So. With that, we should probably leave before we make anybody else's ears bleed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not, not tomorrow, but next Saturday at 9 a.m. will be a new episode of Paranormally Yours. All right, and excellent. I'm going to be talking mm -hmm. with um, psychic Barbara Blightsoffer, who's worked with Linda Zimmerman and Mike Warden in their investigations. And we're going to be talking about the spiritualist movement that started during the 1918 epidemic. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. With the, with the, uh, it was like an apple or something, right? Then they made one of the girls, the seance thing, they, they, she could like crack her toe joint or something to fool oh, people. You know what I'm sisters, talking about. Those, those sisters who, yeah. I can't remember their name offhand. And they would make an apple fall or something to, to make the sound sound like it's coming from and another then, then, there's, then there's my favorite line from uh, a movie called The Snoop Sisters with Alice Cooper and Helen Hayes from back in the day. And my favorite line from that is, two, four, six, eight, come on table, levitate. <laughs> is that the Ocarina All Sisters? Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm yeah. dying to meet Alice Cooper someday. Mm -hmm. because oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be something. I, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I think I can hook you up with somebody. Yeah. We, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we have, we're a few steps away, but we know somebody who yes. might have access to get that kind of thing. So maybe, I, maybe I, someday. I, I have a friend that could... Uh... <laughs> so does she. <laughs> we're going to talk off the air. Yes. Maybe we can make this happen. We'll see. Absolutely. We'll see what we can do. All right. So next week is actually going to be a rerun. I will not be here, but uh, we will be back the week after September 11th. It happens to be so. Yeah, I'll be out I, this I'm, week too. So. Yep. So we're working on that. And uh, anything else to add before we wrap it up? 
Hey, go out and play your rock arena, man. <laughs> My sister put put in the comments, Amazon has quite a few choices of ocarinas. Interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gonna, I think we're on the yeah, you know, we're starting a trend here. We, I are, think we so. are trendsetters. I think yeah. so. We're gonna have an ocarina battle. We are on the forefront. We're going to be ocarina influencers. <laughs> you know, it's kind I of our own so. version of Battle of the Bands, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do <laughs> And then when you get that good, you have the air ocarina yes. battle. Oh, that's even Lord. better. That's even better. Oh, Lord. I can excel that's at the air ocarina. Can you ocarina. imagine how many people are going to pass out from trying to airplay the air ocarina? <laughs> It'll be fun. I, I think I'm going to pass out from. <laughs> you're going to go home, and I know you're going to be listening to the Jimmy Castor Bunch. I know that's I'm happening. I'm going to go out and buy it on a eight track yeah. there you go because <laughs> you know what you can do with that you level out a crooked table because <laughs> yeah. it fits right yeah. under that yeah. table yeah. like that's right all right everybody all right. well we will see you in two weeks until then thank you all for uh, joining us here on the rock and roll history show don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast and all of our shows at hudson river radio on your favorite app just yep. look up hudson river radio and they're all right there check yep. them all out there's yeah. a lot of good stuff and we will see you in two weeks until then peace out everybody Okay, bye-bye. Woohoo! HudsonRiverRadio.com. We're so good, we don't need a transmitter. <laughs>